Hello, everybody. Thank you for joining Jewish Stories and More. This is a story about an old Jew named Bernard. And Bernard had been married for 56 years to his lovely wife, Ethel. Unfortunately, they were never blessed with children. And when his wife passed away, he found himself alone. And it was not good for him to be alone. And his doctors told him it was important that he should have a companion. And most most preferably, it should be a dog that was trained to take care of people, a service dog, they're called. Dogs often are trained to assist their owners, even though many dogs by nature do that. But there are many dogs that are trained specifically to help their owners and to give them a emotional lift and so forth. And, and so... Bernie got such a dog. He named it Oakley, and it was his constant companion for six years. Without Oakley, uh, Bernie would have had a very, very hard time. His eyesight was failing, and um, his dog assisted him in many, many ways, as well as emotionally being supportive. However, eventually came time that Bernie could no longer really live Alone, and he had to live in an assisted living um, uh, institution, assisted living facility. He found one not in his home t- uh, area of northern New Jersey, but rather in Florida. And the truth is, he liked warm weather anyway, and he was very excited because this facility not only was a Jewish facility and a kosher facility, but it had a shul, and uh, it seemed like a perfect place. So he signed up. He arranged a lease for himself, and he sold his apartment in northern New Jersey, and he was ready to go. However, something happened. And that was that there was a rule which he didn't notice written in small print on the contract which said absolutely no pets allowed. Uh Uh-oh, Bernie was in trouble. He called his rabbi, Rabbi Eisenman, who had a shul, a Chabad shul in a community nearby. And he said, please, rabbi, help me out. I'm stuck. They're not allowing me to live, bring my dog Oakley. What will I do without Oakley? I can't move into such a place. So Rabbi Eisenman made many phone calls, asking the manager and asking all other people that he could think of, the rabbi of the facility, please, please can an exception be made for Bernie and his dog Oakley? No, the answer was consistent. Everybody felt sorry for Bernie, but absolutely not. There was no way that the rule could be broken unless perhaps if Rabbi Eisenman would speak to the owner, the owner, Mr. Hertzler. He lived actually in Florida and hardly ever left there. But it so happened that this week he was in New York for a simcha, or a happy occasion of some kind. And perhaps Rabbi Eisenman 
would have a chance to speak to him in New, in, in New York. Rabbi Eisenman quickly got on the phone, made contact with Mr. Hertzler, and sure enough, arranged to meet him where we're staying in Borough Park. He came in to the house and met Mr. Hertzler. He was a very old man. And as Mr. Hertzler held out his hand to shake, Mr. Rabbi Eisenman's, Rabbi Eisenman noticed that there were numbers on his arm. These numbers, of course, are signs that a person was in a uh, concentration camp. None of us should ever know of that experience. But it means he was in a concentration camp. And we know that uh, the Germans, in Shemam, the Nazis, uh, may their names be erased, uh, made a lot of use of German shepherds to uh, bother the Jews and unfortunately even to kill Jews and to uh, frighten them. And so Rabbi Eisenman was thinking there's no way that Mr. Hertzler is going to allow this dog into his facility. They sat down and spoke for a few minutes. They schmoozed about the work that Rabbi Eisenman was doing. They worked schmoozed about a few other things. And finally, Rabbi Eisenman got to the point of why he had come and explained that his congregant, Bernie, was in the situation of needing a service animal. He needed his dog. He had had him for six years. It was a very important part of his safety and his emotional well-being and so forth. And could he please um, make an exception and allow Bernie to have his dog, a German shepherd, in the facility? To Rabbi Eisenman's great surprise, Mr. Hertzler said the following Pasuk. In response to Rabbi Eisenman, he said, from Shmois, chapter 11, verse 7, the Pasuk states that not even a dog growled at the Jewish people as they were leaving Mitzrayim. And Rabbi Eisman didn't quite understand what that meant in this particular situation. But Mr. Hertzler said, I will not only allow Bernie to bring the German shepherd, but I will pay for all the expenses that he has for this dog. Rabbi Eisenman was shocked. What a turn of events. What a wonderful turn of events. Rabbi, Mr. Hertzler began to explain. You see, he said, when I was in the concentration camp, it came time that the war was going against the Germans and they were retreating and they were getting ready to evacuate the concentration camp where I was. But they wanted to take out all the Jews and uh, take them with them or kill them. And so I decided that I would be best hiding under one of the buildings. But the, Ger- the Germans, Yimach Shemam, the Nazis Yimach Shemam, may their names be erased, took many German shepherds and they were all trained in sniffing out Jewish people 
And they searched through the whole camp, searching for Jews that were hiding. I was hiding, as I said, underneath this building. And as the German shepherd came near me, I kept davening and davening and davening and repeating this Pasuk, this Pasuk that says that not even a dog would growl against the Jewish people as they left Mitzrayim. And sure enough, the German shepherd came so close to me that I could smell its breath, but it didn't bark. And right there, I made a promise to Hashem that I would pay back some German shepherd for this mir- uh, for being part of this miracle which Hashem did for me. Well, it's 78 years since then, said Mr. Hertzler, and I have not yet had the opportunity to pay back to, um, the favor to a German shepherd. But now you have given me that opportunity. So therefore, I am most pleased to be able to offer you not only hospitality for Bernie and his dog, Lahavdil, but also to cover all of the dog's expenses. Come, let's make a lechayim, he concluded. A very beautiful story. So we do know that there are many wild animals who are not necessarily friendly to people. But what will happen when Mashiach will come? All these wild animals will become tame. They will no longer hurt other animals. They will no longer hurt people. At the beginning of the time of Mashiach coming, nature will stay the way it is. However, eventually nature will change. And of course, the biggest change in nature will be Tachiyaz and Mesim, that the people who have died will come back alive. That's the biggest miracle of all. So we see that there are actually two um, time periods in the coming of Mashiach. There is the beginning when everything will be natural, just that the nations of the world will no longer bother us. And then we will come to the time period when there will be many miracles. And finally, the greatest miracle of all, Tachiyas HaMesim. But how will we quicken the coming of Mashiach? It's so important that it shouldn't just be a dream that we dream about, and then we wake up and we go on with our normal life. But rather, we should know that every time that we learn Torah, and every time that we do a mitzvah, we are bringing more quickly the coming of Mashiach. And especially by learning in the Torah about Mashiach and redemption. So just to add on one small piece from the Rambam, we began uh, a few sessions ago where the Rambam said that the, anybody who does not believe in the coming of Mashiach and anxiously await it is actually uh, denying the Torah. And that's because the Torah itself testifies about the coming of Mashiach. And the Rambam picks out several places in the Torah where Mashiach is hinted at. However, then the Rambam says in Halacha Gimel, however, in the books of the Nevi'im, and I believe he also means the Ksuvim, 
um, that is the prophets and the writings, we don't have to prove this point because these books are full of mentioning of Mashiach. And so it's very, it's very important for us to realize that the Torah definitely tells us all about Mashiach in many, many places. And it's our part to believe fully in the coming of Mashiach and not only to believe it that yes, yes, eventually it will probably happen, but rather to be looking forward to it, as the Rambam says, to anxiously await the coming of Mashiach and to learn what the Torah tells us about Mashiach and Geula, as well as all other parts of Torah, and to increase in our mitzvahs. And in this way, certainly we will speed the coming of Mashiach. May it happen immediately. Thank you so much for joining Jewish Stories and More.